You're powering down already? It yep. just started. We gotta just <laughs> Groundhog Power up. Groundhog no. Solid Shadow. Let's power up. That was the power up. Thanks, yeah. I appreciate that. So many So many So many Damn books. Welcome to So Many Damn Books. I am Christopher. I'm Drew. And it is 2020. It's 2020. And we are so glad to have you here with us for our now annual top books of the year of 2019. Yeah. We were do- we we've come up with episode. a joke for this year's too. A little bit of a little bit of a throwback. Everybody's been doing all these decade I mean, it's looks. It's like barely a joke. I don't know. I liked it. Normally we do top six because of our arbitrary the way that we did it the one time. Uh huh. This year, top eight. MySpace. Exactly. Tom's not on the list because he's not a book. <laughs> yeah, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> We're not uh, we're not talking drinks. Although I did make something special for the for myself to drink. You're in dry January, yeah. So I'm drinking alone. What do you got? Um, I uh, I have this uh, amaro. Uh huh. That's smoked, and it's Ooh. very. Um, I'm gonna call it difficult to drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's got that okay. like herbal finish <laughs> of like. It's like if if. If an entire if your drink was all like the herbal finish of something, it's got like it goes oh. from herbal to smoke. Interesting. It's called um, sfumato. S f u m a t o. Um, it's really weird, and I haven't known what I bought it, trying it in the store because it was such a crazy taste that I was just like, sure, I'm gonna. Where did you, you get it? That Amaro store. Uh huh. Cool. And uh, and then I have not known what to do with it. I keep like putting it in things. I'm like, you know what I need? This cocktail will be great as soon as I take it out. <laughs> So I finally discovered the way to serve it, which is um, uh, equal parts sfumato and whiskey and honey as a hot toddy. Ooh, ooh, sure. Uh, so that's what I am drinking. That sounds really nice. It's really nice. I feel like the that's where you want a heavy herbal thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I'm calling it six more weeks of winter. Uh-huh. Not today. Yeah, I know. It's spring out for some reason. Yes, we're recording this on the 70-degree weekend here in New York. That it'll, It's surely like boating for something horrible to happen. Yes. Should we do a What'd You Buy? First uh, of the year? Uh, yeah. Do you want to start? No, you go. Okay. Uh, I will go with the three Christmas presents that my sister got me, three books, um, all beautiful UK copies from when the last time she was in London. One, a uh, hat tip to Gabe Habash for this, Under the Net by Iris Murdoch. Mm. Last year was her centennial, and Penguin UK put out six of them in these beautiful matching illustrated covers. Uh you love a matching illustrated. I love cover. a matching set for authors, man. It just makes it does nice things to my brain. But this, I only got the one. I gotta pick up the other. I gotta find the other five out in the wild. <laughs> um, New Scarlet Thomas Oligarchy, uh, which it's in a weird trim too. It's skinny and tall, but it's a paperback, 
and it's it's like taller than like the airport book skinny tall paperback. Mm-hmm. Very, it's just it fits in one hand in a very interesting. It's almost like a menu. Uh, and then the third is this novel, The Heavens, by Sandra Newman. Oh yeah, that I it has not been talked about almost at all. It's coming out this year. Isn't no, it, it came out last year. Oh, okay, um, but sort of like so flew under go. the radar. Yeah, it's got Shakespeare in it. As a character? As a character. And I, the the it hit me about a third of the way through. I was like, oh my fucking God. That's, it's going to be Shakespeare. And a few pages later, it turns out it was Shakespeare. Was he called just like Billy or He's something? like Young Will. Uh. And it's 1593. And I was like, I wasn't really, I, I wasn't really paying attention, I guess. I don't know. You probably could have figured it out sooner. But, um, but yeah. that's not on the cover copy? Nope. Interesting. It's kind of a spoiler, I guess, but not really. Like, if you got William Shakespeare as a character in your book, figure out a way to put it in the copy. Put it on the box. I mean, anyway. Okay. Um. So that was that was me. Thanks, Val. What do you got? So this uh, this company that uh, puts out really cool editions of books, mm-hmm. um, Edition de Saint Pierre. Cool. <laughs> or SP Books, as you can also find them. Uh-huh. Um. They uh. They are really they released. A um, a, a Peter Pan edition. Oh yes. And one the thing that they do is they they release um the exact like handwritten. So uh they they sent us one a while ago that was the Paul Auster New York trilogy uh-huh. which was really cool and this is the like in J M Barry's hand, his Peter Pan. Cool. Um and it's supposed to be like slightly different. Sure. Um, and and maybe a little darker. Uh, it's uh, huh. illustrated. It's beautifully illustrated by this illustrator, uh, Gwyneth Hudson. And um, uh, you know, I opened it up. I was so excited. It's enormous. It's this like big like building story size box, mm-hmm. and um, it's in this. It's this great green pebbled texture. You know, Ooh. just like it's already it feels good. Uh-huh. And you pull it out, and <laughs> J M Barry's handwriting is illegible like it's (laughs) impossible to just sit down and be like ah i will read myself some peter pan no 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 so my 2020 um project Uh is i am transcribing what i think some of these you know transcribing peter pan and in some places i'm going to just be taking my best guess cool yeah sometimes when you're reading it it's funny it's like it locks in you're like oh i know i'm reading english Uh Uh, be- because before it was like his ancient cuneiform writing, <laughs> um, and I'm, but you know, I will say that uh, Paul Oster has a neater hand than J. M. Barry. Nice. Take that for all it's worth. Nothing. <laughs> 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 and then uh, the other thing, another Christmas present for my parents. Um, they got me this awesome. It's called the Peanuts Papers. Mm. Uh, writers and cartoonists on Charlie Brown, Snoopy, and the Gang, oh, and the I Meaning of that. Life cool yeah and it's edited by andrew blauner and it has like well, i think over 30 essays from awesome. people who like you know like our our good friend seth mm-hmm. um our glass our uh, good friend jonathan Lethem. cool uh mona simpson aka the uh aunt uh-huh. of of our friend lisa brennan jobs yeah uh maxine hon kingston has an essay in oh, there fun which is fun uh, Saunders, of course, of course, George Saunders shows up. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm really excited to read it. I haven't read any of it yet, except I read a little bit of the beginning. It's an Adam Gopnik 
uh, essay at the beginning, I believe. Uh-huh. And um, just made me want to go read some comic m- more, sure. more peanuts. Cool. Yeah. Do you have the big set? The the any of those big like, you know the ones. Well, they I I've I have the first four years mm-hmm. in the abs. You know every strip. Yeah. The one that Seth designed. Yeah. Um, I've got the first four, and it's something I'm always on the lookout for in used bookstores. You mm-hmm. know, I, I'm always looking to see if there's another year of Charlie Brown. Nice. Because I would love to own all of them, although I think I'd have to own a house. You need a whole room. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of it's books. It's a lot. Yeah. One of those books for each year. Yeah. I was reading someone. Good God. <laughs> there was a female character named Charlotte Braun. Um, that was just like supposed to be the female version of Charlie Brown, <laughs> except for she just. It, the difference was she, is she yelled everything, so everything that she is like bigger. Uh huh. Wow. This didn't didn't last. Didn't, didn't weirdly Charlotte Braun, not a d- beloved <laughs> member of the gang. If I was gonna write an essay, I might write one about her. Sure. Somebody needs to. <laughs> I'm sure there are. I bet you I'm gonna come across it. Someone already did, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Cool. Books. Books. There are two reasons why I prefer to do the best of the previous year at the start of the new year. Okay. One is... We're taking ourselves out of the conversation that everybody else is having. Well... (laughs) Sorry, but we, I, <laughs> I mean it's it is very true. I, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. What, <laughs> what, what's number one? One is we get we get books for Christmas. We read over the holidays, and inev- there's always something that slots into certainly my personal best of the year list. But I think for both of us, we one of our uh, one of our top eights drops a joint top eight dropped in at the end of the year for both of us. Exactly. Yeah. The other reason is that there's sometimes a new year can be scary sometimes it can be like this year where it's sort of general existential scary yeah sometimes it's just the scary of like it's dark outside it's cold ah like you start to get tense looking ahead and it's like well let's take a minute and look back yeah celebrate the good that we have had you know yeah and let's not discount you know put it um if you did decorate your house for christmas Mm -hmm. the, the um taking down of of decorations and the christmas tree is a sad that particular iteration of seasonal affective disorder yeah Yeah, the the day after when i'm just looking around my apartment it's just like where did all the sparkle come (laughs) (laughs) all the light has left my life (laughs) oh gosh it's true (laughs) all right so so top eight top eight we're going to do uh, a, a joint six. A joint six, and then we'll put our own up. So, and we'll um, probably shout out several none, honorable mentions. And none of this is top. Well, we're not going to get numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are just we're just randomly talking here. Yeah. Um, let's talk, you know, one of our easiest ones to throw on the list, and it's been on every iteration of the list so far, mm-hmm. is uh, Clyde Fans. Yes. By Seth. Absolutely. Um, just... Wow. Wow. I mean, so if you if you don't know the book, if you missed that episode, first of all, pause and go and listen to mm-hmm. it. Um and also maybe pause and go buy the book and read it. Um but it, it's uh these two brothers who've lived 
their lives completely differently mm-hmm. and um they they own a electric fan yeah. company um true like the fi- like uh, the actual object of mm-hmm. a fan and not you know someone who enjoys work a lot and it's just this everything about it it's a culmination of a two decade long project for seth yeah it's uh beautiful it's it's a interesting object yeah i mean every aspect of it there's something interesting there's a hook for mm-hmm. every reader and then it the story itself is just tremendous and beautifully melancholic yeah i mean it really is an ex- an expression of melancholy like mm-hmm. deep and and in a way that somehow it never feels exhausting mm-hmm. it's it's always um touching and difficult yeah it's uh, it's like that thing of joy where joy is the happiness that you feel because you know the sadness mm-hmm. there's a little bit like it's that reading this book allows you to sort of like everything that's happy in your life feels that much happier because you have this window into these two not even poor unfortunate like the, pretty ordinary yeah you know? it's it's ordinariness you know that yeah. he's that he's exploring too yeah that's great oh so good so that was so there that's one of the absolute best books of last year uh-huh um another another one that was on this list for both of us and maybe the last piece of fiction that's on our joint list is the swallows by lisa lutz um we We've had Lisa on the show. We had her on for her, her previous book, The Passenger. Um, we're both huge fans of the Spellman books and her entire oeuvre. This is her 10th novel, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of wild because I've been reading her from the start. It's a boarding school, or it's a, a, a school novel, a campus novel. Mm-hmm. But it is also just like a furious feminist novel mm-hmm. in a way that is gripping and kind of complex and you get to the end of it and you're just like yeah you have to t- it's just but it's funny i mean yeah. the whole thing is very funny it's her weird sense of humor that um and it's all it's so bookish i mean this school mm-hmm. is like named after authors and everything uh-huh. in the, everything all of the um landmarks are author things um it's just very it's joyous in, yeah in in and i think it would have to be in order for how she tackles the rest of it yeah there's there's a delight in the early going that is it's a great authorial trick that she pulls off in being able to pull you in and sort of be like okay it's a it's a campus novel with all of the joys of school and reading and then slowly the darkness creeps in mhm um yeah i i I wish that it's one of those books that I wish had gotten more attention over the course of the year because it speaks so wonderfully to our present. Mm-hmm. I I think it's I think it was a hard book to categorize. Mm-hmm. Um, as a lot of what she does is agreed. Yeah. Hmm. Um. The other this is fiction too, so I don't know what you're what? talking about. Women talking. Oh yeah. Miriam Tebbs. I mean, it's based on right. On it's, a very sad reality. Right. Um, it's so weird. That book lives for me in a, a more liminal space where I don't think of it as fiction, even though it is. Um, I, I love that it came to the show and we got to talk about it with uh, Leanne Shapton. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I also appreciate that she taught us how to say Miriam's last name. <laughs> yes. T-O-E-W um, doesn't read as Tev to me. Yeah. Yeah. But that is how you pronounce her name. And her book is about women figuring out that they have been sexually assaulted for months and months. Yeah. It's and a Mennonite community in South America. And it's unfortunately based on completely true account, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's them deciding what to do now. Yeah. Do they do they stay and fight? Do they leave? And it, I mean, it is exactly what it says on the package. It is, it's these women having a conversation basically over the course of like a day and a half. And uh, it's it it somehow does all of the things that you'd want from a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it has all of these constraints. Right. Right. Um, and it's just, you know, sort of in the, just like we were talking with Lisa Lutz, it's funny too. And it's amazing <laughs> that it sh- yeah. that you can find all the humor that you can in it. Um, and I think that that's something that I'm finding I need in all of my reading is at least some amount hmm. of, of, humor or right wryness to it that i don't it can't be just bleak from start to finish right and some things are some things and and that's the mood and and that's great that and and i'm glad that um people who are searching for that can find it but it's something that's so important to me that things can't be unrelentingly bleak mm-hmm. even even clyde fans which were saying it's like an ode to melancholy finds some humor and some oh, lightness yeah. within how it works. I just, I just think that you know, it's one. It's this is a really eclectic list um, to me. Mm-hmm. And one thing that is in all of them is even when, even for how bleak a lot, some of these titles are, um, absolutely, yeah, it, they all find humor or lightness. Yeah, that's a really great. That's a really great distinction because there are those books that are just plodding unrelenting like sadness right and it's just and not not necessarily plodding like just unrelenting Mm -hmm. right right yeah yeah it's nice to have it's nice to know that to remind readers that there can be light even in the darkest even in the darkest of times Mm -hmm. um another book that that brings humor into Mm -hmm. difficult conversations is mir jacobs good talk um and we were lucky enough to have her on the show again if you haven't read the book pause go read the book (laughs) Uh then listen to the episode with her then come back we'll still be here um it's a memoir in conversations mainly between her and her young son and what starts out as and she talked about this a bit on the show what starts out as just helping a young boy come to grips with being a young man of color in America takes a a much more intense and personal turn for her for reading it. Just it's by the end of it, it's a really tremendously moving book. Mm -hmm. And there's also so much humor peppered throughout it. It helps you focus on the really tough questions that she brings up about what it means to live in america right now right i mean one of the one of the best sequences um 
and it's some of the most dramatic movements of the book it takes place at a at a dog fancy (laughs) dog party yeah a tea party for dogs (laughs) so you know that's that's what that's what um jacob is playing with yeah um and that is uh that was a that was a crazy book and it's a crazy reading experience because it it's illustrated, but it's photos, but it's... It's like paper doll illustrated. It's re- yeah. And collage in the background. It's a really neat... And it, it's similarly to the holistic experience of Seth's book. You can see in a way that, you know, when it's just words on a page, you know that the author was fully invested in the thing, but good talk, the whole package of the reading experience, it's all Mira, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Some more nonfiction. It was a weird year for fiction. Yeah. Uh, and a so, good year for nonfiction. Yeah. Uh, I think I was just, I think the reason why these ended up at the top is I just, we one more understanding of our time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So Trick Mirror by yes. Gia Tolentino. I know that last episode I was already going off about this because uh-huh. I was in the middle of it. And now that I've finished it, I still am thinking about it. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's like the defining essay collection for our generation. So uh, incredible. I mean, her essay about it's one of the best ones in the book about that she was on a reality television <laughs> show. <laughs> um, boys versus girls, Puerto Rico. Uh huh. Um, and and her unpacking that and realizing, you know, that she has been putting on an air of like, I don't know how that happened to me. And then realizing like, Oh no, I really wanted it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that all of that. And just thinking about how she could have gotten through this without, bec- you know, before <laughs> virality was a thing. Right. Well, man. Yeah. It's crazy. I also, I, in the first essay, she says a thing where she's like, I think that our current obsession with the internet and the way in which, like the internet makes people famous is bad, but also I would not be here without it. Right. And she spends the whole first essay grappling with the space between those two things in a way that somehow makes it make sense, which is astonishing. Yeah. But also it, ex- it explains, it explains the world. Yeah. And a world that doesn't feel like it can really be explained most of the time. Right. The online world, the yes. online space, yeah, or our relationship to it's re- a relationship to real life. One more one piece more. of nonfiction. This mm-hmm. is the one that that for us both dropped in at the end of the year, uh-huh. came out late in the year, and then we both read it basically at the holidays. Um, Carmen Maria Machado's "In the Dream House," yes, which is her memoir of an abusive relationship, told through structural, structural play. Each chapter, sometimes each page, is a different narrative trope, a different form of storytelling, Mm -hmm. a different idea of story. So it's like there's a choose your own adventure. That's that was one of that was really fun. Um, There's the uh, as noir, Uh as superhero story, as stoner comedy. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, it's a very powerful book. The She's also a thing that she keeps bringing up is that there are not stories of abuse in queer relationships that there particularly are particularly le- lesbian, lesbian re- relationships, relationships. Um, particularly lesbian relationships of color. Right. Like, and so she, she's building a, st- like, she's like, okay, I want all of these versions of this story. And so I'm going to 
make my story sort of use all of those tropes to do a thing, which is really impressive. Right. And and there's also this meta um, narrative that's going on throughout it of the writing of the book that she's referring to. That's mm-hmm. very interesting. I, I usually, you know, um, I think that this was the year that I came to terms with being okay with ter- uh, stories about writing. Mm. Uh, sure. Because I I usually avoid those like the plague. Right. <laughs> but um, this year I felt much closer to it and, and like it made more sense and it wasn't as alienating as I usually find. I wonder if that has something to do with this idea of this year in particular. We were looking for sense. We were looking for logic. We were looking to understand. And there is something to that idea of like an author saying, I too am looking to understand and I'm taking you along my journey because I don't know where it's going to end up. So you sort of have to have a little bit of that. I am writing to understand the world that I am writing about, mm-hmm. which is a neat circular. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of the Argonauts too, in the ways that it totally reconceives what nonfiction can look like. Mm-hmm. So that's so, our joint six. Uh, I'm going to, for my title that I'm putting on, that's, that's mine alone. Although you read it and enjoyed it as well. Uh-huh. Um, I'm choosing Bunny by Mona Awad. Oh, yes. Uh, loved having her on the show. It's a fantastic episode. Go listen to it. <laughs> um, and the book is about a, you know, a, a woman who goes to a creative writing um, <laughs> program uh-huh. at what is basically Brown University. Right? Yes. We can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not because she wanted to give it her own edge to everything uh-huh. <laughs> and um you know i've been to that area i know what you and it's just like uh, i don't know i i loved this book um i loved its depiction of mfa programs i yeah. loved the weird horror turn it took uh-huh. oh, um man. and i love that even like often when i read an end of a book and i'm like wow i don't quite understand of what everything that happened there uh-huh. i didn't feel shortchanged. i felt more like i bet you if i read this again and again and again I would have all of the answers. They're all here. Right. Um, and it's fascinating and so funny and and just bizarre. And every time you're like, wow, I, she's going to have to deal with all that. And then it's going to get normal. It's just like, <laughs> no, no, no. The answers are bizarre too. Yes. Um, and it's also one that I've been able to like confidently put in a lot of people's hands. And they all come back like, wow. Isn't that great? Um, so, yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, my solo contribution is another piece of nonfiction and it's, it is the book that has stuck with me the most this year and that I have literally gone back to over and over and over again. Uh, Democracy may not exist, but we'll miss it when it's gone by Astra Taylor. And it, it rewired my brain when I read it. I read it first in April, late March, early April when I was producing some events with the Onassis Foundation about democracy, and I had the great pleasure of talking with Astra during a panel, and I saw the documentary, um, that What is Democracy?, that she, this book was meant to be the companion piece to the documentary, and then it sort of expanded beyond the bounds of that. It, it tries to answer the question of what is democracy, but instead of looking at the ways in which our modern democracy is sort of split along these right-left partisan axes each chapter is a different dichotomy that cuts across those axes so operating on 
you know, the third dimensional axis that moves through left and right and is looking more about inclusion and exclusion. Huh. Um, it doesn't have all of the answers necessarily, but it helped me think more clearly in my attempt to find them. Over it, It's such an urgent book, and only more so as we ramp up for 2020. 2020. 2020. Boy, oh boy. Here we are. We're going to make it after all. Well. <laughs> we are. <laughs> 2019 was a good, it was a good weird year for writing in general. I um, I think I, my my final tally, I think I read 105 books. Nice. In 2019. Which also felt like I was doing the, least amount of reading i've ever done but it's not true i was just reading a lot of books for work ah uh, yes sure that always that'll always do it um i came in at 223 wow you which doubled. is about what i did last year that's insane yeah wow i did i really didn't it was not until towards the end of the year like the last four months of the year after i had quit the public that i my reading actually like really ramped up but it's also you know i go to books to escape or to reduce my depression or anxiety and it's tough out there yeah right now you know i've heard i've heard about it (laughs) uh so that's uh so those are our top eight um if you want to see their list if you were listening and didn't write anything down uh go to our website so many damn books slash episodes um, and you will find the top eight of 2019. Yep. And you can click on that. You can do that with all our episodes. True. We've got you covered. You don't have to have your notebook and your pen out while you're listening. They're all on the website. All on the website. So many damn books.com. That's also the place where all of our um, drink recipes live. Uh huh. Um, I, I think we'll, you're, there's even a link to download our Christmas song. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, you know, if you uh, want, are curious about our show, it's and a good place to start. You can go there. Well, really, the place to start is here. Yeah. You're here. You've done it. Congratulations. Uh, step two, website. question marks. Step, step three, three, profit. Right. And step four, profit. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing to do is go to our Patreon. Uh-huh. Uh, Patreon.com slash SMDB. Uh, and... If you want to chip in a dollar or ten dollars, or if you're really, really rich and you're like, I want to give those boys six hundred and fifty thousand dollars an episode, boy, don't do that through Patreon. Give us an email. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah, that's a great place to. If you seriously, the chipping in one dollar a month that helps. It does. Um, And what else can you do? You can reach out to us. You can reach out to us. It's always nice. You can also. We also would love. To see who's the first person that, or the no, who's the fifth person that leaves us a review in 2020? Ooh, hey, is that hey, it? I, yeah, I think it has to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll be back in two weeks with something. Yeah, who knows? We don't. Bye. Bye. <laughs>